0: Just like elbow the person next to you and ask them if they're ready. Got to make sure they're ready. We got to get all that God has, all of it. Um, so the title of my message tonight is, What's Your Position? And position is so very important. In um, college, I refed basketball. And then uh, after college, I ended up coaching basketball. But one of the, the things about refing is that it's so important to be in position. Everywhere you are on the floor, you can't just stand and watch the basketball game. You have to be in perfect position to see what you need to see. It's actually split up in three different areas and they do these little diagrams and you have to be in position. Well, then I, as a coach and my players, if they're out of position this much, it's going to be a foul call There's going to be something that we don't want to happen. Position is so important. And one of the ones that, that always got me that I was like, wow, that's crazy to me that it, you can be off just this much. But if a girl's coming up, dribbling up the sideline, and we've all seen the play where the girl runs over and tries to like cut her off and ends up being like a tackle right off the side of the gym. But she runs up to cut her off. And if she gets her foot planted on the inside of the out-of-bounds line and gets set, if that girl hits her, it's a charge. If she gets set and her foot is on the out-of-bounds line, it's immediately a block call, even if she was there. So you're like half an inch, quarter of an inch, centimeters, You're on that line or you're off that line, and it's the difference between a possession. And so the the title tonight is, What's Your Position? And that's the same way it is in our spiritual life, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, I would like to start in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Awesome. I'm going to lay a foundation. As I was studying today, I told my dad I was on the phone with him before service, so I feel like there's so much to this, like there's not a direction you can go, but I wanna lay uh, a strong foundation. But what's our position? The first thing in knowing how to walk out our position in Christ is we have to understand our position in Christ. We have to understand who we are, who he created us to be. And so in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Okay, I wanna read that again. Therefore, if anyone is where? In Christ. Okay, I want us to pay attention to that phrase for the next few verses that we go to. In Christ. Our position is in him. We were created to be in him. Okay, this verse does not say if you um, live 100% correct and 99% perfect, then all things have become new. It doesn't say if you've never had a past or never did anything wrong. It It says none of that it says, because we are in Christ. So our position is in Christ. Okay. So look at your neighbor and tell him your position is in Christ. And then I want to skip over to verse 21. And it says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God, where? In him. So there it is again, in him. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, what are we required to do in that verse? I didn't see a requirement outside of being in him, right? There was no prerequisite to this. So here's my question. If there was no performance necessary to be in Christ, can my performance make me be out of Christ? It can't, but we're performance-oriented people. So I can't say I'm in Christ unless my performance is perfect. But if my performance isn't perfect, then all of a sudden I feel like I'm out of Christ and the things of God don't apply to my life because I can't be perfect. There was no performance necessary. So our performance does not determine whether we're in Christ. It's his performance because he took his position and gave us his position. He took our position and gave us his position. That's the kind of God we serve. So it has nothing to do with our performance. So I want to lay that first and foremost that we are in Christ. Our position. What is our position? It's in Christ. Now I want to flip over and read Ephesians 1.3. I have to give all credit to my dad for this one. I was going over, he called me before and said, what are you preaching tonight? I'm going over and he goes, well, are you going to Ephesians? And I said, I think that's the only book I didn't read today. And he goes, well, that's the one you need to go read. So we're gonna start in one three. And I want you to count, and even if you need to mark it in your Bible, how many times it says in him. So when we're talking about our heaven and our position, what is our position? We've said it's in him. But again, we're gonna read in in verse three, we're gonna read through 14 right here. And this is what I want us to realize. All of this is because of Jesus's performance and him giving us his position. This has nothing to do with our performance, nothing. All of these things are ours. This is who I am. This is my position and what is available to me because of who Jesus is, okay? So as we read this, just try to grab hold. I was reading it in my office and I'm like, I can't even live like that's true. Like that's just a little bit overboard, like the too good to be true factor. But in in one three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I couldn't get past that verse. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And I did nothing. Nothing. That's huge. And then we can keep going. Just as he chose us Where? in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Okay, question, who feels like they're holy and without blame? Exactly. Okay, but because of what he did, he sees us as holy and without blame. Did you know it's impossible for God to see us with sin? He can only see us how he created us. He can't see us through our sin. He can only see us how he created us to be. So he sees us holy and blameless. And I thought, man, if my God sees me that way, if I only lived that way. I can't, I, that's incredible to me. But having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. How many of us have ever felt like a problem to God or maybe a little bit of a burden? Like, sorry, I messed up so many times. You probably were like, ugh, why did I create them? Okay, it says, that he predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. In good pleasure, he created you. So if you're taking notes, I would write that down and say, in good pleasure, he made me. Like, I'm gonna put that on my mirror. In good pleasure, God made this. He was happy to make this. <laughs> that's, that's, and that's how excited we should get because it says it in the word. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us, Accepted in the beloved. Do we feel accepted? Do we feel accepted by God or do we have to earn our acceptance? In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound towards us. So not just come to us, but abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself. That in dispensation of the fullness of times that he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. I know that was a lot of reading, but if I could live verse three out, I would live completely different. And then if I added verse four, I don't even wanna know what life would look like if I actually lived that like it was true. And then there's five, and then there's six, and then it goes all the way to 14. Okay, that's a lot of promises just because of who Jesus is. This requires nothing of me but to have a relationship with Jesus. That's all he asks. It doesn't even have to be a perfect relationship with Jesus. All he says is that in me, and this is yours. In me, this is yours. You don't have to perform, you don't have to do anything. In me, this is yours. That's the God we serve. So do we understand that? So our position is in him, in Christ. We did nothing. Our performance, this is not based on our performance. All right, well, then we have to bring that into real life. Okay, so now I know that I'm in him. What does that mean for me? I wanna look over at James 1. We're gonna start in verse two my brethren, encountered all joy when you fall into various trials. Okay, that's not a very joyful scripture. I, that always makes me laugh. I'm like, <laughs> what? Okay, counted all joy when you fall into various trials. We just read everything that we are and I'm just laying a foundation here and then we're gonna get rolling. We just read, because of who Jesus is, all that is made available to us. But now it says counted all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Man, so not only does God give me good things to make me happy in life, he uses the bad things to bring me joy in life. God doesn't advance me in good seasons of my life. God wants to advance me in the bad seasons of my life. Are we seeing the kind of God we serve? And just because of who Jesus is, not because of anything else, not because of any performance I can put forth. So our God, not in just the good times that Shelby has on earth, is she gonna advance and become more like me and grow in a relationship with me. In the bad times in Shelby's life, she's gonna grow in her relationship with me. And there's not a spectrum. We grow the exact same towards God in good times and bad times, and he's equipped us to do so. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's tossed by the wind. For let not a man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. Okay, here's one thing I wanna point out before we go forward. So we have the foundation of in him, correct? Okay, my question today was, how do I get to that in, in him factor? God, how do I actually live that in him factor out? How do I live like that's truth? Because I see it, I don't know how to do it. I don't wanna just say it. I don't want us to be a church that just quotes the word, says good things like, did you know Jesus? Because if you read Ephesians, there's some really good things he has to say about you. That's not the kind of church we are. The kind of church we are is that I live this out. Yeah, you can know my Jesus because you know me, because I walk this out every single day because I have a relationship with my Jesus. So now you can know my Jesus because you know me. That's the kind of church we are. And so how do we walk this out? And this is the key point here is this faith factor. The faith factor, we've heard faith that it's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We've heard faith that it's believing without seeing. Okay, I don't see these things evident in my life but I'm gonna believe them as truth because of the word of God, okay? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Don't lose me, because I gotta lay this foundation before we can get into the, the, the real good stuff. It's all good stuff, because it's all the Bible, but then there's some real good stuff. Um, but so, so the faith factor, believing without seeing, okay? Believing it is truth. Here's what has to happen with faith is that I have to completely deny my ability to do it and place the full trust in what God can do. Completely deny that I can do this and say, God, my trust is completely on you because here in James, it says, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And in verse six, it says, but let him ask in faith without doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Have we ever felt like that? I believe God's gonna come through sometimes and I don't that he is sometimes and sometimes I really believe he can come through and sometimes when I'm in prayer in the morning, I really believe what the word says but by the time I get to work or like my road rage kicks in, then I don't really believe that God can work. And that's how we go through our day and we're tossed and we're back and forth. But faith is denying that I can do it putting full trust that God can do it. It is the, the, the truth and self-trust are exactly opposites of each other. And that's hard to do, because you're like, I have to take my hands off of this and let God do it. That's a hard thing to do. But that's how he called us to live. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's what Hebrews says. And, and then if you read through um, the rest of Hebrews there, it talks about all the faith, people that walked in faith throughout the Bible. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith comes by hearing the word, okay? So I gotta lay this foundation. We're in him, we hear the word. I have to believe what the word is said and I have to believe that it's true without myself trying to do it. We can't do it. I can't live perfect. I can't live accepted. I can't live like God was happy to make me without God. I can't do it in my own strength that in him, these things are made available to me, not on my own. So that's that's the faith that I want to touch base with there. And then let's look at John sixteen thirty three. It says, "These things I have spoken to you, that where in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer." I have overcome the world. In me, you may have peace. Okay, again, in him, we have these things even when bad things are going on. Because if we listen to each other, if we read Facebook, there's usually a lot more bad going on in our lives than there is good. There's usually a lot more that we focus on that's bad anyway than there is good. And so we're gonna face things. God never promised that we would, we would have this like trial-free life. In fact, he says, when tribulation comes, Count it all joy when there's trials. Okay, God God created us to overcome adversities and it created us to go around adversity. Okay, God created us to walk through it, but we can walk through it in him. And that's where that joy comes in. That's where that peace come in. That's where the strength comes in, the wisdom comes in, the creativity comes in, but it's only in him. Good times, bad times, we can walk through whatever that we need to face, but it's in him. Um, all right, and then here's my main quote. For tonight and everything is going to come back to this. We can live a life from our heavenly position or from our earthly condition. We can live a life from our heavenly position or from our physical condition. Okay. That's the main, the main quote, because here's what changes there. When I live life from my earthly condition, I can only see God based on what's around me. My only view of God is based on me, what I can understand and what I can see. When I live life from my heavenly position, then I see myself and my circumstances, how God sees them. Do we see the the difference? My earthly position or my earthly condition, I can only see God based on me. I can only see God based on what's going on down here. And my earthly condition, what's going on in Shelby's life, that's how I view my God. He's shaped how I'm shaped. He's labeled how I'm labeled. If people have misused me, then God's going to misuse me. If I can't trust people, I don't trust God because of an earthly condition. And I can only see that's the filter that I can see God. When I choose to live from a heavenly position, the only way I can see myself and the only way I can see people and the only way that I can see the world around me in my circumstances are through God. Do we see the difference? So there's two ways, but the other to be to be able to live from a heavenly position, it has to be in him. Has to be in him. All of those scriptures that we just read, all of that is made available because we're in him. But unable to be in him, then I have to have faith and say, I don't trust myself to do this. I put all trust in God because of who you are. I walk by faith and not by sight. I don't walk by what I see. I live what God's word says. And I build my faith by reading the word. I build, I build my faith by listening to the word. I build my faith by, by growing spiritually, by having a relationship with Jesus. That's how we grow our faith. But it comes through faith and it comes through in Him. Here's the other thing with that. Our earthly condition can never change our spiritual position, but our spiritual position can always change our earthly condition. I'll say that one more time. Our earthly condition can never change our spiritual position, but our spiritual position will always change our earthly condition. We will always see it from a different perspective when we look through God's eyes. There's an entirely different picture that God's created us to live. And if we could grab hold of a glimpse of this, as I was praying today, I'm like, God, what you have in store, like it's overwhelming. When we sing those songs of like a tidal wave, you overwhelm me, like, yes, I am drowning in what is so good that I feel like we'll never even break the surface of what God has for us, that it is so good. But he, um, our, our earthly condition will always change when we see it from his perspective. He has so much greater in store for our lives than we could ever imagine. So we aren't a church that's gonna stand on the sidelines when hard times come, but rather a church who knows who they are and a church that will move forward with a heavenly perspective and not their earthly perspective. So let's look over at Matthew 27, or fourteen 27, I'm sorry. As I was studying today, I was praying this out, and I was like, God, how do we even live that way to see your our, our heavenly position be that real in our lives? How do we live in such a way that our earthly condition doesn't shape you, but our heavenly position shows us who you really are, shows us who we are, shows us your plan, shows us our circumstances from a completely different perspective? And and this is the the picture that he uh, that he gave me, and I'll, I'll explain it after we read it. But let's start in. I want to start in verse 26, and it says, and when the, and Jesus had just finished preaching. They fed the 5,000. He was sending the disciples to the other side, and he was going to pray. Well, then, now this is where he comes up, and he's, he's walking on the water, but it says, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Okay. One thing that I've never seen before, but I wanna point out right here. It says that they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and they cried out for fear. Look at what Jesus responds. Okay, look at what a heavenly position says to an earthly condition. Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Okay, they weren't screaming, we're so afraid of you. But a heavenly position speaks to an earthly condition. He said, be of good cheer. Do not be afraid. First thing he spoke, okay? And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Okay, okay. Here's a picture I got when I was, when I was praying this out is that a heavenly position will always trump our earthly condition. And this is how that when we feel like life is hitting us from all sides, when we, hit, when we feel like our earthly condition is coming at us from all angles, maybe it's a sickness, maybe a family member's struggling, maybe a marriage is struggling, maybe we're struggling with kids, maybe financial struggles, maybe depression, maybe anger, maybe it does not matter. Whatever it is in our lives that we feel like is coming at us from all, maybe it's that I've been praying and praying and praying and believing and I'm still not seeing the answer. Maybe it's whatever that is that makes us feel like we're being tossed. Whatever that is that makes us feel like I don't know what's happening, and I feel like I'm on a boat that's just being thrown wherever it is. Have anybody felt that way before? Okay, we've all felt that way. So whatever that earthly condition may be, this is what Jesus. This is. I felt like He told me today, this is how I created you to live. When He told Peter to walk out of that walk on the water, when Peter said, "Let me come to you," and He said, "Okay, come." Okay, this is how, and I want us to grab hold of this picture, but this is how our heavenly position will change our earthly condition. This is how it, God created us to be able to, to face anything that comes our way, is that when Peter stepped out and he was walking on that water, felt like God said, okay, that is your earthly condition. That is what is going on. This is where I've created you to walk. In me, you've said, Peter, come to me. And said, When Peter was looking at Jesus, that he walked on the water. When Peter was focused, when his trust was not in himself, Peter could not walk on water by himself. But he knew, Jesus said, come, I'm going to come. And then it was like, whoa, Jesus said, come, and I'm on water, and I don't know what's happening, and we we sunk a little bit. But Jesus said, come, and I came. So Peter stepped out in faith and chose, I'm not going to trust myself. I'm going to trust God's word. I'm going to trust what Jesus said. I'm going to trust in him I can walk on water. And so that water represents those earthly conditions that we're living in. Okay, stepping out of that boat is us saying, God, I choose to live from my heavenly position. And so when Peter stepped out and I was praying through this today and I'm, I'm seeing this picture in my head, God said, that's how I positioned you to live. That's how I positioned you to walk. That we walk just like that on, on the waves, that we walk on our earthly conditions, that yeah, this is all going on. And so then I read that verse and go, count it all joy when we fall into various trials. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm walking on water, and even if it's a storm, I'm walking on water, like, come on. And that's how Jesus said, that's how I created you to live. That's the position. So the entire perspective changed. When Jesus, or when Peter was on that water, that perspective changed. It was no longer this crazy storm going everywhere until he looked down. And remember the scripture we just read, it said, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, that when we choose to trust one minute and don't trust the next minute, that we're unstable. So Peter stepped out and trusted the first minute, and then he looked down at his condition the next minute and he sunk. But then I want us to see our God again. So did he reached down and he picked him up. He picked him up. Right back and said, Let me bring you back into position. Don't look, oh ye of little faith. Don't don't look down it what I you just walked on it. You were just walking through this. Has anybody ever felt like you've been walking through something and you're like, yeah, I got this. I feel empowered to walk through this situation. I am empowered to walk through this season. And then all of a sudden it feels like it takes us out from under us. Okay, yeah, that's how Peter feels right here. But remember, we can live from our heavenly position or our earthly condition, not both. And Peter was walking in his position and when he looked at his condition, he sunk. But then Jesus picked him back up. Because why? Why? He cried out saying, Lord, save me. He didn't look at the water and go, I hope I know how to doggy paddle. He didn't look at the water and, and yell at the disciples to throw him something. He didn't look back and go, guys, help me. Somebody help me and freak out. He said, Lord, save me. Okay, so we're probably gonna sink. We're probably gonna see our condition a little bit. We're probably, there's probably gonna become a time in our lives that we see our condition over our position. And maybe we're living in a place right now that we see our condition over our heavenly position. And that's fine, but the the purpose is in him. We started with this, in him. We read Ephesians, in him, in him, in him, in him. That if that's all we remember from the night, that in him. And Peter was looking, he was relying in him, on him to walk on the water. And when he sunk, the first thing he did was go, Lord, help me. God will always reposition us when our focus is in him. Always. He will always bring us back into position. We don't serve a God that's like, nope, you sunk once, you sunk twice, you're stinging. Here, this is the well factor now. You're going to get swallowed by a well, and that's not what he does. Our God says, no, you sunk, but you called to me as long as you're in me. You're in me. You don't have to do anything. Just be in me. Peter didn't have to take walking on water lessons. We don't have to take Christian lessons. Be in him. And just because we give him our trust, just because we place that on him, watch what he takes us through. Watch what he wants to walk us through because we're in him. So he spoke, the word of God spoke directly. So our position always speaks to our condition. The next one I wanna read, I wanna look over at Romans four seventeen. And it says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, in the presence of him whom he believes, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope and hope believes, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall be your descendants. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Okay, so a couple things. So this is talking about Abraham. this is talking about what God told Abraham, that he would be the father of many nations. But him and Sarah couldn't have kids. So speaking to him to be the father of many nations when he can't have kids is a little bit odd, okay? But the scripture here says, that he calls those things that do not exist as though they did, okay? And there's a key point I'm gonna to get to right here on that section in just a minute. But again, God's heavenly position, the position that he had for Abraham trumped his earthly condition. Earthly condition, he could not have kids. His spiritual position said, you would be the father of many nations, that your descendants would outnumber the stars. Okay, that's the difference in our position and our condition. Can we imagine that for our lives? There's something that seems so impossible here is, of course it's possible here because of an earthly condition versus a spiritual condition or a spiritual position. And our spiritual position always changes our earthly condition as long as we're in him. Okay, it says here that he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Okay, we have that in our lives, that those, those areas from our uh, heavenly position and our, our spiritual position, we can speak to those areas of our lives, speak to those conditions and say, no, I call it this into existence. I call it that what is it in heaven can be on earth, that I call that into existence. But here's what it doesn't say. And this is how I feel like we pray a lot. But it says that he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Here's how we pray. We call those things which are, as though they do not exist. That's how we pray. Let's say that one more time. That we call those, or that God calls those things that do not exist as though they did. Okay, he didn't say, I speak away the deadness of Sarah's womb. He said, no, he'll be the father of many nations. I speak life into that situation. He didn't tell Lazarus, deadness, go away. He said, no, come forth. He didn't say when he created the world, voidness, disappear. He said, let there be light. Those things that do not exist as though they did and we believed them as such. Okay, we call those things that are as though they don't. So we say, God, I have this in my life. Can you please make it go away? I have this in my life. Can you please make it go away? I'm facing this relationship and this struggle. Can you please make the struggle go away? I'm facing this sickness. I have this sickness, so we're claiming it and then asking God to take it away. Instead of saying, no, this is what doesn't exist, and I call it as though it does exist. I speak life into this relationship. I speak life into this. I speak healing where that sickness is. So it's not getting rid of something. It's saying, no, this exists in heaven, and I claim it to exist here because that's what my spiritual position gives me. It's not on the opposite where I'm trying to get rid of something in my life. No, I'm claiming it how God said it, and this is how it's coming forth in my life. Do we see that? Our heavenly position speaks to our earthly condition, but it doesn't get rid of it. It just trumps it. It just trumps it. That's how God, he doesn't want us to live struggle free. And that's where we're gonna get with this this next story is let's look over at Acts 16, 23. One more thing before we leave this spot is it says that he was strengthened in faith, that Abraham, and we all know the story, but Abraham, remember he looked at his earthly condition at one point too and tried to fix it in his own strength. He took his trust off of God and put it in himself. And he tried to fix it once, but God trumped it. But then he went back and he said, God, I'm sorry, I repent. And God said, okay, you're still the father of many nations. Even though you messed up, you still have a position in me. You still, I can't, God can't recreate you based on your mistakes. God created you one time and that's how he sees you. So it didn't change his position. It changed his condition for a season, but then he got back and right back into his position. And we're still reading in Romans and Abraham was way back in like Genesis, all about his faith. But it says that he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And he knew God would perform what he said he would perform. Now let's look at Acts 16.23. And it says, And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposed the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Okay, what must I do to be saved? couple things in this story. Paul and Silas were thrown in prison for doing the work of God. So they were living in him. They were living from their heavenly position. And now they're thrown in prison. Okay, they have been beaten at this point. They have been, they beat the bottom of their feet. They've been beat with, they've been beat with all kinds of stuff. Okay? Now it's the midnight hour, which for us represents our darkest hour. So the darkest hour for Paul and Silas, they've been beat. They're sitting in prison. But what do they do? They did not let their earthly condition change their heavenly position. Regardless of where they were, they said, We're gonna praise God. We're gonna pray. We're gonna worship. And when things go hard in our lives, sometimes we're, <laughs> I don't wanna pray and worship because I gotta figure this out. So or we cry out from desperate and go, God, just take this away. Just take this. I don't believe that Paul and Silas were praying, God, just destroy the prison. They were just praising God for who he was. Because when you look forward and Paul's talking about all this, he says, we're, we're hard pressed on every side. We're persecuted, not abandoned. We're struck down and not destroyed. Okay, that's Paul. And when he's saying those things, then he says, rejoice always in Philippians 4. Rejoice always, be anxious for nothing. Okay, this is the funny thing. Right now, Paul is in prison in Philippi, okay? Philippians is a letter he's writing to the church of Philippi. So he's in prison right now and he gets, all of this happens and he gets out, but he's praying at the midnight hour. He's praising at the midnight hour. Then when he writes his letter to the church of Philippi, he says, hey, rejoice always, be anxious for nothing but in all things in prayer and supplication. Okay, Paul walked out what he's preaching because we see it in just a couple books later, we see what God's writing to the, to the place where he was in prison before. So he's saying, no, watch God come through on, on your behalf. Watch what God's gonna do. But in the midnight hour, they were praying and seeing, singing hymns. Okay, here's the other thing that happens. When we're walking in our spiritual position, it always takes us to God's purpose. We always see what God's purpose, because we know that God has a bigger picture than what we could imagine, okay? If they would have been in their earthly condition and some random earthquake hit, it'd have been like, peace, we out, okay? We're running. And so, but because it was about their spiritual position, Paul knows that even in my darkest hour, when I'm praising God, I'm still about God's purpose because God got me here, which means he's gonna walk me through this. And even though I was thrown in jail, I'm not worried about it being unfair. I'm worrying about the fair God that I serve. I have a faithful God. I don't care about an unfair situation when I serve a faithful God because it has nothing on me. I know my heavenly position is greater than my earthly condition. And so as he's walking out, okay, the jailer that can put you back in jail, he sees Okay, he's about, he took his sword. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Okay, let's be honest. This guy just beat you, threw you in prison unfairly, and you're about to escape and you see him try to kill yourself. What are you gonna do? How many of you would have yelled out and stopped him? How many, and I asked myself that, would I, have, would I have yelled out and stopped him? Or would I have been like, good work, I'm out of here. (laughs) From my earthly condition, I'd have been like, yeah, die. From my spiritual position, I go, God loves that jailer as much as he loves me. And I can still be about God's purpose, even in pain. And I can be about his purpose in the problem. And I can be about his purpose when things are going hard because my spiritual position will always carry out God's purpose. And so even in a pain, even in the darkest hour, even when all of this came through, I can look at somebody and go, no, God loves you. I don't care what you've done to me. Because of my spiritual position, I can see people how God sees me. Because of my spiritual position, I can minister to people in their darkest hour. And I can see them that they need Jesus. I can forgive when I don't wanna forgive. I can offer grace when I don't wanna offer grace because of a spiritual position instead of an earthly condition. Because our earthly condition, again, will only allow us to see people in the filter that we have developed in our lives. It will never. But when we operate in our spiritual position, then we can see people, how God created. We can see people, we can see beyond our problem, we can see the purpose. We can see beyond the pain and see God's purpose because of living our spiritual position instead of our earthly condition. But again, the only way to do that is in Him, in Him. I want to have um, just one more scripture I want to read. I want to go over to, to 2 Corinthians 4.8. And this is Paul again. So remember, he was already in prison and now he's writing these. And he says, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. And then let's skip down to verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Okay, so this is Paul writing back. This is him writing after he's been in prison, when he's talking about his light affliction there. You, you can read about Paul and his life, but shipwrecked all sorts of times, thrown in prison, beaten. I mean, they tried to kill the guy over and over and over. And so he calls that light affliction. See, Paul is living from a heavenly position. He knows exactly who God's created him to be. He chose to live his life in him. He chose to trust beyond himself. He chose to trust God and have faith in what God said and what his word says over what he believes and what he thinks he can do. See, we can't even trust God in our own strength because we will only trust him as much as we can imagine and our minds will let us contain, and we can't contain that. We can't contain the goodness of our God and what he has in store. So Shelby can't trust God In Shelby's own strength, because it's always going to be limited. But if I trust God from my heavenly position, because I'm in him, and I allow God to show me how to trust him, then I can trust him beyond me. That's what allowed Peter to get out. I don't believe David ever looked at Goliath as a problem. I believe because of his spiritual position, he looked at Goliath and was like, yeah, he's going to die. Like, somebody's going to die today. That's how I walked out there. Okay, he knew because of his spiritual position. Goliath wasn't a problem for him, but we see the army of God that's sitting back and scared because of the same thing. But they were seeing it from an earthly condition and David was walking in his heavenly position. I wonder how Daniel sat in a den of lions. All of this was because they were in him. They can trust beyond what we can even comprehend. I can't imagine myself sitting in a den of lions ever. Personally, I just don't and I probably should not be trusted with a slingshot. There's no telling where it's gonna go. Like I would have killed King Saul instead of Goliath on accident. And it would just happen that way. <laughs> but because of where I can trust God with my heavenly position, then I can see things how he sees them. So it's an alliance suddenly doesn't become a threat because if I have faith in God, then I have the strength and the wisdom and the creativity to see things how he wants them seen. I can see things how he sees. I look at Noah, he's building an ark. Okay, there's no such thing as an ark to save him from rain when there's no such thing as rain. Okay, that took some faith in God. That took some obedience. If God asked me to build something that doesn't exist today to save me from something that has never existed before, I don't know that I could say that I I would do that. It's craziness. So think about Noah And the faith that he had to have in God, but the faith beyond trusting himself to go, I don't care what God says, I'm doing it. In the same way throughout here, so our heavenly and our spiritual position will always trump our earthly condition, but we can only live one or the other. And whichever one we're living in, that's where we're gonna pray from. So are we praying from our earthly condition or are we praying from our spiritual position? Because those are two opposite prayers. One is praying out of a place of lack, a place of worry, a place of fear, a place of discontentment, a place of I'm not accepted, a place of of hopelessness. And the other is praying from a place of faith and and hope and boldness and wisdom and the strength and peace and joy because of our position. But it's when we're in him. Does that make sense?